And I remember I was 30 and I just, you know, I couldn't sleep and I'd gain weight and my knees hurt. And hmm. I just remember thinking, well, I guess this is what it's like to get older, <laughs> which is so bleak and ridiculous. And then I went through this transformation. I was like, oh no, I'm just miserable and unhappy and unhealthy. And all that stuff just shifted, you know, when I started acknowledging these spiritual abilities and also paying attention to my body because our bodies are always telling us. I find a lot of people get frustrated with their body when illness or something or injury happens. And it's very helpful to actually take a look at it the other way and say, okay, well, what is my body trying to tell me? Mm -hmm. And then address and make changes about that instead of getting frustrated and trying to like shove it down or ignore it. Welcome to And Then Everything Changed, a podcast about the pivotal moments in life and the decisions that define us. I'm your host, Ronit Plank. Hi, a note that this episode is airing three to four weeks after many countries have issued shelter-in-place orders, quarantines, and lockdowns to help fight coronavirus. This week, I wanted to bring you something a little bit lighter, and so this episode is going to be a little bit on the brighter side for listeners, especially since so many of us are stuck at home and working remotely and waiting this out. I do have an episode between 19 and 20 called The COVID-19 Experience, Perspectives from Around the World. If you'd like to listen to what people in Milan, New York, L.A., Taiwan and Copenhagen are going through. And I'll have a follow up to that in about a week or so. Thank you very much for listening. Please take good care of yourselves and wash your hands. Today I'm speaking with Laura Powers, a celebrity psychic and a creative entrepreneur. Welcome, Laura. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so glad to be here. I'm really glad too. In fact, you just uh, were a guest on the Ron Burgundy podcast. Is that right? Yeah, yes. I had the pleasure of being on that show with Will Ferrell and it was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I listened to some of it and I was, the first question I had was, how do you answer questions um, as honestly and truthfully, like and sincerely as you can when someone is playing sort of a character? Yeah, yeah. It was definitely a challenge because he's really funny and I had to, you know, in a way be in character in the sense of, responding as if it was a real legitimate interview, <laughs> which is yes. obviously not like it's him as the <laughs> anchorman. And so but at the same time, like how could someone not laugh to some of the things that he said? So I had to just kind of gauge that with how much do I just kind of honestly answer and how much do I just respond to like, this is a ridiculous question, you know? <laughs> yeah. And did they did they kind of prep you at all about what the tone would be? Or did they kind of expect that you would because you answered sincerely? I mean, I, yeah, questions, the questions that Ron Burgundy asked you were kind of silly um, sometimes. But so did they prep you in the beginning? Because what you do is your life's work, and they're asking you questions about it in a way that is kind of silly. I mean, not really. I think the whole point is that it be unscripted and kind of unprepared in that way. The one thing they did say was the point of this is not to make fun of me or what I do, but actually to make fun of Ron Burgundy. And I did feel that. I never felt like they were, you know, making fun of me or my profession or anything. And so I really appreciated that. But I do have a background in improv. Like I actually used to make my living as an actress and I did improv for years and years. So I think cool. those skills helped me <laughs> in this interview. So did your friends know that you had this ability when you were small, when you were younger? You know, 
they didn't because I really kept it to myself. I knew that I was different. I could tell other people didn't see and sense what I did. And I was actually self-conscious about it. And I thought that I was likely crazy because other people didn't see or sense what I did. I mean, it was obvious people didn't respond to what I saw. And so I kept it all to myself. And it wasn't until I was in college and a family friend described a ghost that I'd seen, but never told anyone about that. I realized that it wasn't, you know, just in my head. And that really started me opening up and acknowledging, you know, that this was happening. How did you first understand that maybe you had this ability that other people might not have? I think everyone has some ability. And it's like many things, there's a range of natural ability. And a lot of people do have a a very strong ability, but they've just never had training. So they don't know how to access it, right? Um, With me, my ability is very strong. And so even without training, it was just popping out Mm -hmm. all over the place, um, especially clairvoyantly, like I would see ghosts and sometimes not be able to realize that they weren't live people. So that was one area that was very challenging for me. And I would do things like call the cops on a ghost. (laughs) (laughs) And then the cops would come and everything's locked from the inside and nothing's missing. And then I was like, oh, it was totally ghost. Okay. Um, So it manifested for me in a lot of different ways at a young age. And then when this family friend described this ghost in detail and had never told anyone about this ghost, then I was like, wow, it's not in my head. And at that point, I was both kind of comforted and terrified by that idea because on the one hand, I'm not crazy, but on the other hand, this is real. And then I, I have mm-hmm. to face that and address it. So a ghost in in my mind, you know, I, I have not seen a whole bunch of them. I mean, I definitely had experiences when my child was small and I felt like they were seeing something I didn't see. Mm. Um, that actually happened with both of my children. And I've heard from other parents that they have experienced this too. Um, so what is a ghost? Yeah. So by the way, this is very common for children because I think children are more psychically open and they're also more connected with the other side. They they're closer to it. Like they came into this world more recently (laughs) than we did and therefore are still more connected. But a ghost is essentially a person whose body has died and their soul has remained here on the earth plane and did not fully transition into the light, which is, would be, you know, heaven or the other side or whatever it is that you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And so your first, you know, the first time you saw a ghost, was that how you knew? I mean, or did you start to pick up on events and feelings when you were younger that there was no reason you should know? Like how... For, for anyone who's never had this actual ability like you do, how did it manifest for you when you were really young? Well, I think it manifested in a variety of different ways. So I am clairvoyant, and that means seeing. So seeing those ghosts, you know, is a visual um, element. But I'm also empathic, which means feeling. So basically, I feel emotions and energy from outside my body in my body. So that means I might pick up on other people's emotions, um, physical sensations, you know, headaches or, you know, body aches or whatever. And then I'm, I'm very telepathic. And that means I receive information through thoughts. So there's other things that I have, but those are a few of the strong ones. So it manifested in so many different ways, seeing things that other people couldn't see that weren't physical, feeling other people's emotions, hearing other people's thoughts, but not realizing they were their thoughts. I mean, most People who are telepathic don't realize that they're picking up on thoughts from other people or beings, 
And a lot of them struggle with, you know, what you might call like monkey mind, you know, where you're just like, my mind can't quiet down. And I really want to just share the idea that your thoughts are frequently not just your thoughts. I think with telepathy, there's a range of this, just like any psychic ability. And some people may have just a little bit of this. Um, and some people have a lot and I'm one of those that have a lot. And basically my thoughts were just like a jumbled mess because it was like, it's like being in a room in a conversation and like, you know, imagine when you're in a crowded room and you hear everyone's, you know, words they're saying, their their conversation, it can be overwhelming, but it's like that, but it's in your head. Wow. And so did this also happen to you when you were trying to go to sleep at night? Yes. The nighttime was really challenging for me and it wasn't just that sort of thing, but uh, my hometown is very haunted. So there's a lot of ghost activity um, and a lot of them would try to communicate with me and in some cases actually get inside my body. So I could be what's called a trance medium. So if you've ever seen the movie Ghost, that's like when uh, Patrick Swayze's character goes into Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> uh-huh. That's a trance medium, one that, you know, the, the person, <laughs> the medium has another spirit or entity inside them and they are communicating through that person's body. Now, I choose not mm-hmm. to do that. I want to have my body for me. But because I didn't know how to have boundaries, spirits would try to get in and take over. And so that was probably the most challenging aspect of you know being a psychic without any training. And did you talk to your parents um, about what was happening to you? No. Like I said, I I thought I was crazy. I was really worried about being labeled as crazy and, you know, what might happen with me if I talked about this. And so it wasn't until I got that confirmation that I wasn't crazy that I talked about it. And at that point, I was already in college. And so I'd had years and years of, you know, these crazy experiences. I remember asking my mom when I was about seven years old if she saw things and I knew based on her response that she didn't know what I was talking about it. So I was like, okay, better just not bring this up. (laughs) Interesting. And so Uh once your parents knew, like once you started to embrace that this was how you are and that this is your special, I guess, toolbox. Did you share that with your parents? I did. I did. And my mom, um, I, you know, first of all, they believed me, both my parents believed me, which is great. And my mom, I think mm-hmm. at that point had some realizations because there are a lot of things about me growing up that were just kind of weird things. And it was like, Oh, well this all kind of makes sense now. Like, you know, it was thought that I had night terrors, but really, uh, what that was for me was seeing things in the psychic realm. And when you're asleep or when you're in that in between sleep and awake state, you're the most psychically open. So basically what was happening is I was seeing things that were in the sort of spiritual or psychic realm. And when I woke up, I could still see them until my mind woke up enough. And then, then that kind of like shut down. So, I'd, mm. you know, have like crazy weird nightmares. And it was like, I was seeing it in the room. Um, so things like that. Yeah. And, and these days, are you able to maybe control that or channel it enough so that you can have peace when you want it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's why I'm so passionate about teaching people psychic tools and boundaries and things like that. Because yeah, I went from having like horrible nightmares, like it was imagine like the worst parts of a horror movie sometimes spliced together. And I would just see it like on a reel, just really bad. And then I learned how to protect. I started working with angels and how to protect my energy space, my mind space. And it is like late and day now. And it's funny Mm -hmm. because I'm so protected and I've worked on my sort of trigger issues as well. So that when I have a nightmare and I am not kidding you, it is like, I don't have the right shoes to wear. (laughs) Something like that. Like, well, that's annoying, but you know, it's not the end of the world. (laughs) (laughs) So are you saying you're kind of like grateful for those? Oh my gosh. I'm so grateful to be in such a better place (laughs) with all of that. And so 
if you or your children struggle with this, I really recommend calling, especially an Archangel Michael to help protect your mind and your dream space. And the angels do honor free will. So it is important for us to ask specifically for help so that it gives them permission to intervene. So then, so you, your every day is touched by all these elements that a lot of us, uh, I would, I would think don't engage in actively. And so I'm sure that for you, it's very familiar, but for me, I have known a little bit about what angels might be, but can you explain a little bit for lay people, what is an angel exactly in, in, you know, the way that you're talking about it? Sure. So angels are spiritual beings that are here to help us with our life and our life's work. They are not of a religion, though they are described in many world religions and cultures all over the world. And they're really here to help us. They're like our sort of spiritual advocates or team. And because they honor free will, they really do need us to ask. So they will always give us guidance or love or support. But once we ask them for help, then we can really tap into that amazing resource. So for me, my life changed incredibly dramatically just once I simply learned to ask for their help. So everything that I described, you know, in terms of having these bad dreams and like boundaries where I, you know, had ghosts trying to get them in my body and take over and these kinds of things. Once I learned to work with angels, like that just um, stopped and shifted very quickly. So Uh, And it's not just this kind of psychic stuff that can transform. So when you learn to ask for help from angels, your physical life can transform. I mean, now I live a life that a lot of people I think would dream of. I travel all the time because I want to. I I work with celebrities. I'm creative. You know, it's it's a really wonderful thing that I created. And And when I started to open up to this, Um, It was quite the opposite. I was physically ill. I was in a really bad situation. I was unemployed. Um, Things seemed pretty hopeless. (laughs) So, you know, it was like a huge shift. (laughs) So can you talk a little bit about, um, I'm learning from you that your phases of life were when you were younger and you didn't share what you knew Mm -hmm. or what you could see. And then this turning point when you realized a ghost really was there and that you were not alone. And it sounds like you then shared that with your family. So then what was this next stage of life prior to this really good part of your life that you're living, the part that was the difficult time? What what situations were you in? Yeah, so once I got the acknowledgement that this stuff wasn't in my head, that I wasn't crazy, it was freeing in a way, but at the same time, I also didn't really know what to do about it. I mean, it was a very different time. So now the internet is really uh, developed and there's all these, you know, online groups and ebooks and, you know, mm-hmm. you know, streaming media and things, you know, YouTube and things like that, where you can find out information so easily. Um, but I didn't have that then. And I was really at a loss to what to do about this new information. So it was like, okay, mm-hmm. this is real. Now what? I don't really know what to do. I'm pretty scared still. And so I did the only thing that I knew how to do at that time. And I tried to block it out. I basically was like, I don't want to see this. I don't want to hear this. I'm just kind of done. This is dark and annoying. (laughs) And this is actually fairly common. A lot of people with psychic abilities do go through this. Mm -hmm. And it was seemed effective for a while because I did stop seeing and sensing things. Um, But the problem is I also basically blocked my body and my energy. And I also shut out my intuition. 
So in addition to blocking out the stuff I didn't want, I blocked out the good stuff too. It was kind of like, mm. oh, there's scary stuff in the world. Why don't I blind myself so I don't have to see the dark stuff instead of just like, let's look at something better. Um, how, and so, how, what are effective ways to just, just as like a mm-hmm. side note, a sidebar yeah. here, what are very effective ways to block things out that actually don't work in the long term? Well, I, for me, it was just kind of a decision I made. And I, I found in talking with other psychics, that's a very common is, you know, are, we have an incredible will. And I just basically was like, yep, I'm done with this. Like, whatever this is, <laughs> I don't want it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And unfortunately, it doesn't really work that way. Because a lot of times our gifts are very tied in with our sole purpose. And they're actually abilities, but it's like a double edged sword, you need to learn how to wield it. And uh, so that you don't you know damage yourself. And so I proceeded to live my life very analytically. I worked in government and politics. I got married. I, you know, did all the things that you're kind of quote unquote supposed to do to live a successful life. I, you know, got married, got the advanced degree, got the house, the job. And then it all just came crumbling down um, in pretty much every way. Like this happened was starting to kind of come to a peak in December of 08 when the economy was collapsing. And I had moved with my husband at the time to Seattle where he'd had a contract position at University of Washington. And then when that ended, no one was hiring. And I'd, for the, my first time in my life, I was unemployed. I developed a lot of health issues. I found out my marriage was a mess. Um, you know, I had no money. Uh, so it was just like all the areas of life seemed bad. Health mm-hmm. was bad. Finances were bad. Opportunities were bad. Relationship bad. <laughs> you know, yeah. it, it seemed pretty bleak. And that's when I went to a psychic uh, to ask for support because I just really didn't know what else to do. And she explained to me how when I you know, shut my psychic abilities out, and of course I hadn't told her that I'd mm. also shut out my intuition. And that made sense. And I set about setting the intention to open back up and I had an incredible angelic visitation experience. And then I just basically kind of started over. Huh. And so, so how, how long were you in that kind of, I guess that jam where you were, you know, like psychically and intuitively jammed up and your, your life felt like it wasn't in the right direction. How long was that period of time? Yeah, that was about seven years. Wow. Yeah. And if you are psychic and you do have these abilities and you're not accessing it and especially if you're specifically blocking it i mean it's one thing to not access it but it's a whole other thing to just like shut it down um you know that is problematic for a whole host of reasons one you're probably not listening to your life path your direction that you your soul wants to go and also can create physical problems so in my case um, you know, energy connects with the physical. So I was developing some pretty serious health issues. You know, I was on mm. sleeping pills. I was diagnosed as depressed. I had PCOS and leaky gut. Mm. Um, I just couldn't seem to lose the weight. Um, mm. It was, you know, it was a, a problem. Um, and I'd never had health issues, you know, in my life that were mm. like that before. And you were young. I mean, yeah, you're still exactly. Really young. And I remember I was 30 and I just, you know, I couldn't sleep and I'd gained weight and my knees hurt. And hmm. I just remember thinking, well, I guess this is what it's like to get older, <laughs> which is so bleak and ridiculous. And then I went through this transformation. I was like, oh, no, just miserable and unhappy and unhealthy. And all that stuff just shifted, you know, when I started acknowledging these spiritual abilities and also paying attention to my body because our bodies are always telling us. I find a lot of people get frustrated with their body when illness or something or injury happens. And it's very helpful to actually take a look at it the other way and say, okay, well, what is my body trying to tell me? Mm -hmm. And then address and make changes about that instead of getting frustrated and trying to like shove it down or ignore it. 
Yeah. There's a message there is what you're saying. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. There's always a message. And then the challenge is to decode it. And now that I know this, I mean, there are some really dramatic ways that the body will communicate. I've had a couple of times where my back kind of went out and I put that in quotes, but like nothing, Mm -hmm. there was no physical action. It wasn't like I picked something up and then my back hurt. It was like, all of a sudden my back just was like an unbearable pain and I could barely bend over. And in both cases, I checked in psychically and I realized that it was a relationship that my body was basically telling me like you are not feeling supported. And once I let that relationship go, then the back pain went away. Wow, interesting. I think back pain has come up in 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 the people that I know. There there can be a real quick correlation between stressful times or something really difficult and a back going out. It seems like that's a primary area. Yeah, and when that happens, I think yes, there obviously are external circumstances, but there's always something that we can do. So maybe it's a job or a, a relationship or that behavior or something that a location, something that we're being guided to release to Mm. release that pressure and therefore feel more supported, um, energetically as well as in our back. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so what are some signs? How do we know that something is intuition and something is maybe an angel or what's the difference between intuition that we talk about maybe in, in the more like uh, mainstream world, for lack of a better term, and what is actually a spiritual connection that is calling someone? So intuition is, you know, our sort of inner knowing when we can access it, our soul kind of knowing. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it really is tied to intuition, but intuition to me can encompass a whole host of things. It could be your inner knowing. It could also be maybe messages coming in from your angels or spirit guides or the world as a whole. So I think to me, intuition is like a sort of broader term, whereas your sort of inner soul, higher self, uh, that's a more close and deep and personal thing. Mm -hmm. And what are some signs that um, you might be in touch with a realm that you didn't realize? Like, for example, and forgive me if this is a silly question, but what do you think about deja vu? Oh, yeah. So I think deja vu is very common. And I think there are times when we have actually been shown something before we're incarnated, or maybe even um, earlier in a dream or something, something has been pointed out to us as like something to pay attention to, or a trigger point of some kind. So as strange as it may sound, most of us do quite a bit of planning before our life for the life that we have, like before we're born, there's a sort of life plan that is established. And a lot of times there'll be these kind of markers created for us to have some kind of awareness. Mm-hmm. And so when you're experiencing a deja vu, it might be sort of like, a, okay, you made it to this section, or you know, you knew about this at some point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it can host a variety of different uh, reasons, but that's one reason. I think there also are some strange things with the sort of space time continuum because uh-huh. I don't think that time is happening in linear fashion. So uh, there can also be things with that. Yeah, because when it does happen, it can be it can be really like interesting and also unnerving, and it just is so yeah. real, right? <laughs> um, so what what are some other ways that people can tune into their 
natural spiritual connection or, you know, I don't know what you want to call it. I won't call it intuition because I think, as you said, that's kind of a bigger term, a bigger catch-all. But how can people start to tune in and listen that might help them feel these connections better? So a big thing is having that time where you can be receptive and receive information from yourself, intuition, etc. So having quiet time, receptive time, and that could happen in a variety of different ways. And also some people like that to happen in different ways, meaning some people do well with, you know, quiet meditating. Some people, even with meditating, just want silence. Some people wanted like a structured guided meditation. And then some people do well with kind of moving meditation. So taking a walk or a swim or even doing household chores like the Mm -hmm. dishes or vacuuming or something where it doesn't require your full concentration but you're still, you know, not mentally busy. So I think having that time, however it works for you is very important so that you can get those insights. For me, driving is a way that I would often receive information. Hmm. Uh, Because again, it doesn't, I mean, once you drive, once you've learned to drive, it doesn't, you're not really focusing on, I'm actually, you're paying attention to the road, but it's not requiring your full concentration. And so then you're kind of open and able to listen psychically and receive that information. So that's one thing. And then the other thing is to uh, spend time really thinking about the bigger aspects of life that you want. Um, So not just being so busy, but checking in with yourself and thinking about life goals and direction, like is what you're doing actually in line with what you truly deeply desire on a deep spiritual level. Yeah. And do you find that when people are kind of aligned or starting to tap into where they should be, things become a little more unblocked and flow? Oh, absolutely. I mean, that is so much so. Sometimes the universe tells us when we're kind of off track. Um, and in my case, I was really involved in politics. I mean, my master's degrees in politics and I was working in government and it was like that channel is being shut down big time for me. And before I knew to pay attention, I just didn't realize it. And and then when we don't listen, it can feel really frustrating because it was like, I'd never been an employee and I just kept applying for job after job and the recession was happening and like nothing was working. And essentially it was not because, you know, uh, things were off track, uh, just in terms of the economy, it was actually for me like a spiritual reset button. Like this is not the path that is the right path for you. And once I understood that things went a lot more easily for me. And so when you encounter people who are maybe circumspect or people who are doubtful that these are all resources we can tap into, what do you say, for example, if, if someone says we plan our lives you say we plan our lives before we're born. Who would want to plan a life of such trauma or such difficulty? And I'm sure people have asked you that. And so I feel like I need to ask that. How how do you think about that? Sure. So I think it's certainly very complex. And there's a book, if you want to learn more about this, that I recommend called Your Soul's Plan. Mm-hmm. And that is about pre-life planning. And there's a follow-up book um, that's about why people choose in particular difficult things. And if if you want to listen to an interview with that author, it's on my podcast from several years back, but my podcast is called healing powers podcast, but essentially it varies a lot, but we have, 
lessons that we're learning and our soul experience all have to do with that. So we may not understand why it is, but there's always some, you know, deep level of learning that's happening. And so this was something that was really important for me in my development as a psychic and as an empath, because I used to try to solve everyone's pain, for example, take away everyone's pain, like pain is bad. And what I didn't realize until I started doing this work is that a lot of times pain is there because there's a lesson that we're being taught to learn. And if we just take away the pain without the lesson, then it just recurs over and over again. So very much like, you know, a child touches something, they get burned and they learn because of the pain, don't touch something burning. Yeah, <laughs> right? yeah, exactly. So if they, that child has never received pain, they would continue doing this pattern that is unhealthy. So it's the same way in life. Um, that this is happening. And then there's also kind of karmic balancing that will happen where, you know, someone will do something that causes a lot of pain to someone else. And then they then experience that not in a punitive way, but simply so they understand why that's not a good idea. So that can happen. It's all very complicated. Mm -hmm. um, but I think for me, once I learned the sort of general principles that helped me to have peace with the idea that even if I don't know why that there is a system, there is a purpose to this and not to just try to take it all on myself and sort of heal the world, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And then what about people who come into our circle whose energy does not seem good for us? Or what What about you and your experience when you encounter people who whose energy you might want to really stay away from? How do you handle that? How, how do you recommend people handle that? Yeah, so frequently that's about having boundaries and energetic or spiritual boundaries. And when there's an issue with energetic or spiritual boundaries, there's often an issue with physical boundaries as well. So I had a huge learning curve in terms of what I allowed. And this pattern I was just telling you about of wanting to try to heal, save, rescue everyone mm -hmm. is usually tied in for empaths with taking on more pain than they should. Um, and when you learn to release and kind of not take on other people's pain, then you also will feel better and you'll have better boundaries. So it, it happens in levels. Um, but if there's someone that's triggering you, then there's always something that's coming up for us. Like, what is it that is for me out of this situation? What is it that is information? What is it that is helpful? What is it that I'm learning in order to help shift this? Maybe I just need to have stronger spiritual uh, boundaries. Maybe I need to not be in this situation, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, because I think I think that we all as as animals have that feeling about certain energy levels around people. Mm -hmm. Like even sure. though we we often don't tap into them, I think we all kind of get a sense of other people's energy and what they bring to their relationship with us. So I would imagine for you with those extra capabilities, it could be very draining to be around people whose energy is I don't know destructive or not in your best interest. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, it can be anywhere from, wow, I just need to ask for extra protection when I'm around this person, or maybe this is a place that isn't aligned with me at all. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so for me, I had several situations where it's like, things just felt really pleasant. And it was like, oh, I'm being guided to release this work, this job or this whatever, yeah. <laughs> to move on to something better. Um, and so, so much of this involves what we release in order to rise. I like that. So what are some guidelines you might offer to people who want to find a clairvoyant or a psychic um, 
near them, what should they look for? What is something that they should try to avoid in workers, you know, spiritual workers? Well, yeah, I have some pretty strong feelings about this. So I think, first of all, do be cautious. Um, and that might sound funny coming from me as a psychic, but there's a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of shady psychics. Um, and, and a lot of that is because there are a lot of people that are quote unquote psychic, meaning they're marketing themselves that way, but they aren't actually like, as an example, a lot of storefront psychics are actually fronts for money laundering. And so mm-hmm. they're not actually, it's basically a scam and it's the mob. <laughs> So just right, you just put it right out there. So when I drive by or walk by one of those storefronts that has a white sign and really big letters in red or black that say psychic, um, those might not be the best places to go. Yeah, not always, of course. Use your intuition. How does it feel? I also really recommend uh, checking the reputation of that particular psychic or location. You know, now in the age of the internet, you can do this more easily than you used to be able to, where you can look up Google reviews or Yelp reviews or something. Ask people around that you know who have gone. You know, do they have a recommendation? Um, And then also I do see clients over the phone or Skype. Most of my clients are actually remote because I travel all the time. So, you know, that's a wonderful option because it's psychic work. You don't have to be in the same space. Um, So, right. And mm -hmm. actually that's, I would like to ask you about that because I was talking to someone recently and they said, how can you do a psychic reading over the phone? I personally had them for myself, but um, this person felt like you would need to be really close by to someone to feel them energetically. So how does that work when it's over the phone or, you know, maybe a Skype? Yeah, I will say for me that I don't. It works the same for me, regardless of whether I'm in person or over the phone. And for psychic Mm -hmm. training, I often like to do it over the phone because it's easier for the person being trained because their mind is not trying to dismiss logically whatever they're getting because of what they see. Um, so just a note Mm. about that, um, you know, psychics are like doctors in the sense that there's so many different types and so many different specialties. So there are some psychics who, for example, if they use psychometry, which that means getting information through touch, they, and they might need to hold an object or something that belongs to someone to get information. So they're obviously going to need to be in person. Um, but in my case, no, I'm an empath. I'm clairvoyant. Um, I'm telepathic. None of those things requires me being in that person's presence. And over the phone, all I need to do is kind of tune into that person's energy field and, and then we're connected and that's it. So I even do some readings uh, for clients that prefer it, for example, if they're in a different time zone or if they just don't want to schedule it over the phone, we'll even do some during email, although most people like mm-hmm. to do that in real time. Aspect. That's interesting. You mean so so actual separate times of sending sending an email to each other with information, right? So they might send me an email saying, "Here's my questions. Um, here's what I mm-hmm. want you to look at, or here's what I could use some healing on." And then I will, in my time, uh, you know, tune in, get what I get, and then I email them back. Interesting, right? Because it's kind of the energy around that person and what what your guides tell you, right? And I wanted to say one other thing about you know, when you're asking someone um, to look at things psychically for you is that a person's sort of personal blocks will come in through a reading. So I don't recommend asking someone who is very physically sick, for example, as a psychic about health or someone who Mm -hmm. has money problems as a psychic, asking them about money questions because their blocks will influence whatever they're getting. 
So, you know, just just to put that out there. I would not have thought of that. I would have thought that if a a psychic's ability could transcend their own blocks to reach out and pick up what they need from the person they're talking to. So that's that's a good tip. No, it's like we all have kind of like a a filter for the information. So if yeah, right. Well, that probably plays into you know following your own instincts and intuition about mm-hmm. the person you're talking to just because Absolutely. they're psychic doesn't necessarily mean they're the right one for you Absolutely. Um, <laughs> and then also when we speak about those storefront psychics or other psychic be- you know possible behavior should a psychic be asking you to come regularly or to continue to pay money for help um they can i think it all depends on the services being offered and if it's helpful so mm-hmm. I do work with some of my clients uh, regularly with packages and things. So if people work with me frequently, then they will frequently buy a package. And of course, each time we're talking about different things. It's not like we're talking about the same yeah. thing every time. That would obviously be dysfunctional. And I only want to work with people if I feel like there's progress. In fact, I've had some clients where I had to say, like, I don't think this is helpful because let's say we were just talking about the same thing over and over again Mm. and I'd give the same information and then nothing changed. And then it was the same conversation the next time. Like I'm not interested in that. So it's very rewarding for me because I will work with people long-term and they will have like very big shifts in their life and circumstances, growing their businesses, you know, healthy relationships, better jobs, et cetera. Mm. So I think it's, you know, it can uh, sometimes be worthwhile to work uh, regularly and on a deeper level. Um, but then there also are, you know, the, the, I call this kind of like the scam, like, oh, um, you know, come in and, and if you don't come in, you're cursed and, you know, <laughs> right. <laughs> right. this big money. That's and kind like, of what I was thinking of. That, yeah. Okay. Well then I want to ask you if there's anything that I haven't asked you or we haven't talked about that you think would be helpful. Yeah. So if you are interested in this information, you know, I believe there are no accidents. So if you're listening to this interview, it's likely because there's something here for you. So follow that intuitive feeling or if something feels exciting or of interest, definitely follow through with that. There's so many ways now um, in this communication age where you can educate yourself and expand your knowledge. So I have seven books about all different kinds of things from angels to manifesting and ghosts. So those are always there for people and they're, you know, very low cost, obviously. And I encourage everyone to get some kind of training or at the very least do meditation or something to help them access and connect with their own gifts. So you don't have to want to be a professional psychic like me to connect with this. Um, you know, just connecting with your own gifts and abilities is I think the purpose is really to just help your life get better. Yeah. And so where where can listeners find where's the best place to send listeners to find more out about you and to see what you offer? Sure. So my website for this type of work is healingpowers.net. So my name is Laura Powers. So it's tied in with my last name. And also we talk a lot <laughs> about health and wellness and spirituality. So it's healingpowers.net. And I also have a podcast by the same name where we talk about all this kind of stuff. I've been doing that podcast for nine years. So there's a wealth of information. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny. I feel like that's ahead of the podcast curve. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, I was definitely an early adopter. Like when I started podcasting and I would tell people what I did, most people would say, what's a podcast? (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. We're at least in a much different place now where people have at least heard of what a podcast is, even if they're not a listener. Yeah. (laughs) 
Laura, thank you so much for opening my eyes to a lot of this and making me understand a little bit more than I used to understand. And I hope that um, if listeners do find this intriguing and want to learn more, they'll check out your podcast and and all the stuff that you have to offer. Thank you so much. And um, good luck with all those projects that you're working on. Thank you. It's my pleasure. And good luck with your podcast. I feel like you're going to do great things. Oh, I really appreciate that. (laughs) You're welcome. Hi, thanks for listening to this episode of And Then Everything Changed. Since you're here, you probably appreciate stories that take you into another person's life and their experience. My friend Becky Odd-Jennison has a podcast that does just that. She began the Death Dialogues Project to help her cope with her grief, and now she interviews guests about their losses and helps to remember and celebrate their loved ones' lives. You can find the Death Dialogues Project on most podcast platforms, and she has new episodes every week. Once again, that's called the Death Dialogues Project. Thanks for listening to And Then Everything Changed. For more on this episode and other interviews you might like, please visit atecpodcast.com. You can also find And Then Everything Changed on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you like this podcast, please do share it with your friends and take a minute and rate and review so that others can hear these stories too. Thanks for listening.